0: Good evening and welcome to our fourth episode of the South African Equestrian Federation's podcast from the horse's mouth. I'm your host this evening. My name is Georgie Roberts. And tonight we are talking about equine anti-doping. And I found this really lovely quote, which says, the sad thing about doping is that it can not only obscure much of our appreciation for natural greatness, but also endangers the horses that we profess to love. So tonight, here in the studio with me, I'm very lucky to have Janine Turner, our LLB, and sitting on the Judicial Council of the SAEF, as well as Sheila Higgerty, who um, has a very impressive list of credentials. She's been a vet for 40 years. She's an FEI official and treating veterinarian in six disciplines. She is a chairperson of the SAEF's Veterinary Commission, a member of the South African Equine Veterinary Association Sport Horse Committee, and the National Head Veterinarian in South Africa for the FEI. For anyone who is eager to learn more about doping so that you don't get thrown out of the SAEF, I'm joking, but that could happen, please visit um, www.saef.org.za forward slash clean sports. That link will be in the comments section as well as I think the blurb of our podcast here tonight. And familiarise yourself with that, um, as well as Janine. I believe it's the FEI's app that's available on the phone called Clean yes, Sport. Yes, it is.
1: It is the FEI Clean Sport app, which is wonderful because it gives you a direct indication as to whether the medication that you're giving your horse or um, hoping to give your horse, whether it is a banned substance or a prohibited substance. Just note that you can't always just put in the medication itself, you have to put in the active ingredients. because, so
0: like, acet- uh, I said to Sheila the other day, I was surprised because I thought paracetamol was the active ingredient in Panado, but internationally it can be known as
1: acetaminophen. So, so you actually have you know. to put in the active ingredients. Sometimes you can put in the medication, so you could type in Previcox or Tildrin or Metacam, it will give you okay. the substance, but sometimes it won't. Mm. So it just depends, and I think it's always best to look at the active ingredients and maybe put them in to try and see. But there is an app that's very easily available.
2: I think the difference is that most drugs, when they um, come out, there's a patent on them. And so It's, it's, only, brand name, it's a brand name. It's a brand name. But then after the period, which I think is something like 10 years, then any company okay. can make that chemical substance. So then there's a whole lot of um, different brand names. So it would be… Um,
0: the generics, basically, yes, that become available. Yes. Okay. Okay.
2: It's like, it's like Meloxicam. And now it's this pet cam. Now this vet cam. Okay. So that you need to know what the active principle is. Okay.
0: Um, so so speaking tonight about and last week we spoke about safe sport and then this week we're focusing on clean sport. What are the latest changes to the equine anti-doping legislation within the SAEF? I know there's been a lot of I don't want to say panic on the streets or in the stables rather. But people discussing that now there's random drug testing happening around every corner, which shouldn't concern anyone. I just want to say. No, it
1: shouldn't. And hopefully (laughs) it doesn't. I don't think there have been any changes, Georgie. The veterinary regulations have been in place for a while. And in terms of the veterinary regulations, we would always refer or defer to the FEI, equine anti doping regulations. I think what's changed, and not necessarily changed, but the SAF has very much said we are now focusing on doing sampling and testing at various shows. So various shows have been identified. Um, Sheila is very involved with deciding which shows uh, as well with the SAF and and the SAF has put aside a budget in order to do that. And Sheila, is this across disciplines?
2: It's across the all disciplines. So it's not okay. just the FEI disciplines. Okay. It would uh, be mounted games, it would be saddle seat, it would be tent pegging polo, okay. polo cross, and, um, you know, one of the, the things about we going and doing it unannounced is that the fact that you never know what's going to happen is a huge deterrent in itself.
0: And the idea is that any of these disciplines that have signed on to the SAF have agreed to the Code of Conduct and the Welfare of the Horse conducts. Correct. Okay.
2: And, and this is really important to, to be seen because my experience is that um, it's it's a sort of belief that well I'm only jumping one meter they're not going to test me I don't think that should ever be an answer you should never jump any horse on on a substance not just because it's a meter and they're not going to test you the whole idea of of um, of doping is that you it is a form of cheating and you should not be subjecting your horse to have something like a painkiller so that it will go around and jump. You will be doing or could be doing an awful lot of harm to your own horse.
0: And I think that's really what the, the point is it and is. why I love that quote is that we have to be protecting the longevity of our equine athletes. Exactly.
1: Georgie, I think for me, um, and I often use this as a point of reference when people ask about anti-doping, is to say horses have no voice. The I SAF so. is responsible for looking after sport horses in South Africa. Mm. So any horse that's registered with any of the disciplines or with the SAF mm. therefore falls under our jurisdiction. And we are the person who is then their mouthpiece. And welfare of the horse is a huge concern for the SAF. And to say, would you allow your child, who is more or less in the same position as your horse, I to like go and compete? A lot more. Sometimes. <laughs> but would you allow your child to go and compete on high doses of even antibiotics. So if the doctor said, don't do any exercise being on this antibiotic or don't do any exercise on this, would you allow your child to compete? And if you would, well, that's questionable. But most people wouldn't. Most people would say, no, it's not in the child's best interest to compete when it's high on every Well, and they can't make a decision for themselves. Exactly.
0: And you, you don't know what the ramifications are, frankly. I think the other thing is, apart
2: from, the, you know, the... Let's say it's, um, you don't have level playing fields. It is cheating. But there's a lot in the literature now of um, racing, particularly, I think a lot of research has been done in endurance, of working horses when they have problems and are lame Mm. with these catastrophic fractures. And I suppose racing
0: has just done more because they've got more money behind them.
2: So there's a a real reason Mm. behind, you know, these restrictions you should not be doing that mm. um it, from a point of view of the public it's very devastating to see a horse having to be euthanized mm. on track mm. or um, falling and getting up with a broken leg and it's unnecessary
0: it's unnecessary yeah that's really great i think horse riders also are famously masochistic so i know before i've I've gone to ride horses and owners have said to me, no, mm. pain is your friend. Like pain mm. is guiding you to not do something. And if you remove that barrier, you do it, it totally um, over overexceed the, the potential of your body, I think. So can we discuss briefly like what kind of substances are banned? And again, just bearing in mind that obviously we know or, or we might know what is and isn't. But for the lay person coming in, like... Okay, so to to
2: put it very simply... A banned substance is a substance that has no part in or should never be administered to a horse under any circumstances. And the only reason for utilising or administering something like that is um, is doping. so so they don't there's no therapeutic use of them. Okay. Your controlled medication is substances that are used normally. Horses deserve painkillers. They do need them when they um, cut themselves or they bruise their soles or they, something happens. They need certain antibiotics. They need local anesthetics. There's an awful lot of drugs that they need that are controlled, but they need them for their own welfare. The consideration here is that they're not allowed in competition because it could be giving the horse an unfair advantage. For instance, if your horse had a bruised sole and it was on an anti-inflammatory and didn't notice it, it might jump better. It's not in the horse's best interest because you might be doing more harm. So those are drugs that potentially could be abused in competition. So they, they are perfectly legal, out of competition at home, but not when you are competing.
0: I think also if you're using them, there is a health problem that you are administering them for. So yes. a healthy athlete yes. is the only athlete that should be competing. Exactly. And what is what is a banned substance? Like what is an example? And I, I don't want to use buta, phenylbutazone because I know that is one that is being debated at the moment, but what is something that is completely banned across the board for equine athletes?
2: Shucks, there's so many of them. Um, all your anabolic steroids okay. are, are banned because they are used to, uh, and the same would happen with humans. With, with, with humans, Okay. so your anabolic um, steroid. Um, morphine used to be, but it's now a specified substance. Um, Sinephrine was banned. It's now a uh, um, specified substance. But there's most of them have to do with your human antidepressants are banned in um, competition horses. Well, In horses? You know, yes.
0: That's magical. I know so many horses that could benefit from an antidepressant, <laughs> Sheila. They probably just need a half an hour in a paddock. But I think like, they were all a lot happier during COVID. <laughs> I had so many horses that, that I was like, oh, "Are they okay? No, they're absolutely fine. They're better than before." Yeah. yeah. Um. You mentioned sinifrine, which I think is interesting because I know that sinifrine was a trending topic with vaulting and show jumping in South Africa recently. Well, not recently now. Um, shows I'm getting on but w- that was that falls under atypical findings or well did...
2: to start with it was a banned substance
0: okay and when they banned it it
2: was um we suddenly had a whole lot of positives in the vaulting okay
0: it was in
2: 2019 Africa, 2019, okay. 2019 correct then all of a sudden we were finding it in show jumping and it it was appearing in the food so we didn't know what what specifically does it, it's it's a um, I think it's a cardiac stimulant. It does various things, mm-hmm. but we didn't know what it, where it was coming from. Testing the feeds, we were finding it in the feeds, and um, it is a product of citrus. Oh. So, what do the farmers do before they sow their seeds? Is they put a herbicide down, and they bind it with citrus oil <laughs> That's to incredible. stay in the soil. My God. And obviously, it goes into the soil and it's taken up by the plant. Okay. They had to raise the the um, threshold levels. Okay. And the FEI won't disclose what those thresholds are, but they raised them. Okay. And it was particularly South Africa and Mexico that were the ones that where it was found.
0: That's interesting.
2: And they did a they did quite a lot of research on it.
0: Okay.
2: And. Um, to the extent that they've found it in almost all feeds, in in that have been produced in South Africa,
0: and were other disciplines not affected, or were we not testing as stringently? I suppose in 2019, um,
1: I don't think we had any. FEI I do we, we had one more endurance, so there was another positive it, it in, in endurance. endurance. Yeah. so endurance, show jumping, and vaulting. Yeah. So
0: so that fell under at the time an atypical. Finding. No no no. It, okay. it fell under banned substance. substance. And were they able to? I mean, I, I mean that was quite an intensive process, from what I recall about them petitioning to have that overturned. It did it, and but they
2: can only change this this list format once a year, okay. and there's a list group that decides on it. Okay. But with all the positives that had been had, um, that we had, and all the tests, all our athletes were able to prove no fault and no negligence, and if you can prove that the suspensions were lifted. But with a banned substance, a horse automatically gets a three-month suspension. But they lifted it once they were able to prove that there was no negligence and no fault on their side. You will automatically, irrespective, unless now it's an atypical finding, lose your placings if you were the winner. Then what they've done is that they've introduced this new category that they call an atypical finding they don't list it in the in the band or the um, controlled medication list it might be a specified substance but when they find something that they suddenly find in a whole lot of like we've had this Sil patrol yep. which has suddenly come up as a as a positive they will list it as an atypical finding and go back to the um, person responsible and say this is an abnormal finding, it's not a normal thing that you would be giving your horse, and then try and find out how it came in. If that owner was able to go and test the feed and discover, for instance, Zylpatrol contaminated a truck that was, I think, for pig feed?
0: I can't um, I mean, there are really so many variables in the sport that we yeah. love, and now you like, <laughs> just to add to all just of them, that. lucky enough yep. to get it, okay. And, and then they put a whole load of hay in it, okay. So, so
2: they if they were able to prove that, they would have it would have been the FEI would have removed any sanctions, so they would have okay. withdrawn their case, okay. And yeah. actually, they wouldn't be disqualified, okay. Yeah. That's only time. They wouldn't lose their place in, and they wouldn't be.
1: But that only came in in 2020.
2: Yes.
1: Okay. I think it's really interesting. No, I
2: think it was 2021. No, it was
1: 2020. It was 2020. It's
0: really in keeping. I mean, it seems to be like with Wada, which I know the FEI is is aligned to. Um, It's it's very and anyone. I don't know if anyone's watched Icarus. Um, It was a fascinating thing about human doping on Netflix, and they talk about the how Wada is involved. And but that's equine doping or or international sport anti-doping seems to be very cutting edge and they're constantly improving it. It's really fantastic. And
1: growing and moving. You know, they have to. So as new information comes out, they change their rules. And it's not to be jerks.
0: It's to, you know, keep the sport fair and keep the integrity of it.
2: Well, just as on the side of WADA and FEI, where they're trying to detect these substances. On the other side are all these people who develop a new
0: substances. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I, I read an interesting thing saying that South Africa has some of the best internet banking security because we have so many ingenuous like,
1: criminals. Yes, that are find ways to get around them. I it's, but it's also why our tax law is so good oh, because see. they keep on having to close all the loopholes that all the okay. very ingenious people find.
0: <laughs> um, Sheila, what is the when people talk about the half-life of a drug, and the full withdrawal period from the drug, what does that mean? So um,
2: half life is usually used to talk about when you're administering something, and if you want to get a therapeutic level in in a in an animal or in a human being, if its half life happens to be six hours, you and you and your therapeutic level sits at a certain point. After six hours there's only half the drug left okay. and that threshold may be at that level and what it indicates is you need to medicate again to push it above that level to maintain the level of that substance in the blood.
0: the Efficiency as well yes. of the drug, okay.
2: So you don't want to be administering it every 12 hours when after um, you know, six hours it's only at half the level, um, six hours later there's nothing left. You want to maintain that blood level okay so it's not it's not used so much in terms doping. of of doping uh in in terms of doping the withdrawal period is and we're really talking about um administration of of uh, normal therapeutic substance controlled, medica- controlled yeah. medication so, so that- for example
0: a colic horse i've got a colic horse yes. and i call you to come out yes and We'll discuss later on who the, what the, who the onus is on to make sure that the horse is given the right or legal medication. But I would need to tell you before you treated it so that I could make sure there was, it was fully withdrawn by the time I go to compete at a show.
2: Yes. Okay. So I come out to your house today and you, your horse has got colic and you don't say anything to me and I don't know that you're competing. I will treat the horse with the horse's best interests in mind. If you say to me, I'm competing on Sunday, then the one drug I should try and steer clear of would be phenodyne because phenodyne has a withdrawal period of six days. Okay. But I can use other drugs that have a withdrawal period of 48 hours or 72 hours. And there's enough time that you could compete on Sunday if I
0: used those. I think still also to the point of the welfare of the horse, is assuming as anyone who's had maybe a hangover or a tummy bug can attest to, you maybe your your horse is maybe not gonna want to be competing on mm. Sunday anyway. But that's aside. Yeah, that's not the discussion. That's today. not the discussion. I'm just saying. No, I'd say it, yeah.
2: Sunday if it's a very high level I agree. But mm. I mean the worst is when it's it's um it's twenty four hours later. Mm. I don't think your horse should be competing at top level. Mm. But but the idea is that if I use those drugs, so you've told me so I will choose to use those drugs. If the horse doesn't settle, then the horse comes first. Then the horse is going to get the phenodine if I deem it necessary. Okay. And then it's out of competition. But but it is the person's responsible's duty to tell your veterinarian, oh. I've got a show this weekend. Oh. Because the vet doesn't know which shows each of their clients are competing No, of
0: course not. Um... And and then moving on to, before Janine, before you discuss with us what the ramifications are for horse owners caught doping, Sheila, are there there ramifications for vets who are caught administering drugs with full knowledge of, you know, so that are caught being part of a doping program?
2: Um, Yes.
0: Okay.
2: So the FEI deems the person responsible, which is the rider. It's not necessarily the owner as the person responsible for any doping um transgression or for any whatever is happening It's
0: interesting so it's even if the horse is in the care of the owner yes. it would still be up to the rider yes i think that's yes. sufficient motivate motivation to
2: but what they have are additional persons responsible oh okay so what they've now that's done good. is they've included in um endurance the trainer is automatically listed as an additional person responsible okay. so he his license gets suspended okay in faulting, the longeur is mm-hmm. ad- an additional oh, person amazing. responsible. So, if in a in a hearing it comes to light that a veterinarian was administering the drug, um, they can also be an additional person responsible.
0: Okay.
2: If that person was an uh, was um, an FEI veterinarian and was actually administering it at the event. Um, they could then be removed from the FEI-permitted list of treating vets or official
0: vets. And that means they can't, they can't treat at a show or be a… They
2: won't be able to officiate a show okay. and they won't be able to treat horses. Okay. That,
0: that, that, there
2: could be a disciplinary action for them because as a veterinarian they should know the rules and regulations and they should be upholding them. Um, sometimes it could be inadvertent, it might be carelessness and there might be a warning but there could also be removal from the FEI list of veterinarians.
0: Okay. Um, and then what are, I was interested looking up on the FEI, that there is actually, they they have a list of suspended athletes and tribunal hearings on the website. What are the ramifications of being caught? Because I actually read an interesting, I can't remember what the exact Latin phrase is, but basically ignorance is not an excuse. It yes. doesn't matter if you don't know that your horse is not allowed for Nadine. If you're caught with finidine, you stand to be suspended, you'll have your, if you do win the class, you'll
1: have it taken away, et cetera. So I think the first thing to say is you are, um, if you were going to play tennis, I like tennis, uh, you would know what the rules of the game are. So you'd know that these are the boundaries. If I hit the ball over there, it's out. I don't get a point. If I hit the net, this is the consequences. Unless John so but case? Even, even John McEnroe. But even John McEnroe, you know, uh, they have abuse of racket, you know, <laughs> <Really>? <laughs> they do. You know, Djokovic famously okay. is always abuse of okay. racket. But in horse riding, the same thing applies. So know the rules. And one of those rules is an anti-doping rule. Uh, they are published. They're easily accessible. So the FEI with the app that you've got, you can easily see what substances are. And the FEI, as understanding as they are, and the SAAF would follow the same route, is to say, I understand that you might not have given your horse the medication but you remain responsible for your horse. And whatever substance has been given to your horse, you remain responsible. So whether it was cross-contamination at the yard and some mistake your horse got some kind of medication because the grooms were negligent in in dosing out the medicine, the FEI says, SEF says, we're very sorry, but you're still responsible. So as a owner, you need to, and as a responsible person, so either as the owner or as the person who rides the horse, you need to make sure that where there is in a yard where yours is not the only horse and there are other horses. You need to make sure that whatever process is followed with regards to medication, that it's done in a way that is not negligent. And negligent is, you know, the groom's dossing out the Prevy Cox tablet and you crush it up and you put it in the horses and then they mix it with their hands and they go to the next horse's food and they mix with those same hands your horse's feed. So now there could possibly be contamination. There's no ways of telling which amounts. I mean, Sheila would know better than I do. came over or... But either way mm. is to make sure that at the yard where your horse is kept that the process that they have of following with medication is done really, really carefully. When you give food to the horse, you know, make sure that you look at what substances are in the food. Mm. So I know there were cases on the FEI quite a long time ago where the substance, the prohibited substance, is listed on the food. Okay. You know, so yeah. that's a case of looking at what you're actually feeding your horse to see what's in it that could possibly contain this um, prohibited substance um, but the consequences are real if you are tested positive um, you could be you will be disqualified so disqualification is automatic from the only the time from the event so okay. the only time disqualification wouldn't happen is an atypical finding but that means it's gone through an AT, uh, an ATF panel that we call that and they've decided that they are there's no fault and you Shows had no if, way if the rider disputes it.
0: No, 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 no. no. So
1: what happens with an ATF, I think if I can explain very briefly. So like Sheila explained, there are substances that are prohibited. So they're either banned or they're controlled. That could enter the horse's system via contaminated food. Um, So sinophrine was one of them. I know caffeine is another one that's a specified substance. Um, And often caffeine is found, I think, is it in molasses or coffee or a... It's, it's possible Sorry. for it to actually get know, into Sheila,
0: the… I know both of your horses, and I can't imagine ever giving any of them
1: caffeine willingly. I mean, it's just a terrifying thought, I'm just saying. Yes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so those specified substances, what would happen then is if your horse tested positive for a specified substance, you would get a notification to say that your horse is tested positive for a specified substance. You <coughs> need to explain to us how this horse got Zill Patrol or how this horse got caffeine, or how it got Sinifrin. So in the case with the vaulting and the show jumping and that, they all tested their grass, all their grass tested positive for Sinifrin, so it was quite easy to determine that. It um, well, Then
2: goes, yeah? I'm just gonna say with the Zill Patrol, they we had one and then suddenly the National Horse Racing Authority had a whole lot and they put it out and warned everybody that, that maybe there was some contamination and that's where they backtracked, and they found the how the truck and yep. what had happened. Okay. So the, it's the FEI or the SAF would initiate that atypical finding, realising that it is atypical, and they'd okay. send it to the atypical um, mm-hmm. panel. panel. And they then would investigate and finally okay. decide this is atypical, so it's, it's, uh, it's no fault, no negligence, and um, withdraw the case. Or proceed with the case.
0: Okay.
2: So case, yeah.
1: So if if the if the panel finds that it wasn't a typical finding, so an out of the ordinary finding, they would then say, and then there would be no consequences. It's as if the drug test had never happened. Okay. So there's no disqualification, no elimination, none of that happens. If, however, the ATF panel says no, this is actually an uh, an adverse analytical finding. Um, it then follows the next step, which happens what is to. An
0: adverse anal... So, an adverse really... analytical
1: says, well, it's just a term to say that it's not an ATF, which means now there is an automatic disqualification that happens of the results so it's on a that day. Therapeutic substance, it's either, right? well, a prohibited substance is actually either banned or controlled. So, if you look at the FEI's list, they're all prohibited substances. Oh, okay, okay. And under that, you would either have a controlled substance or you would have a banned substance. So as Sheila was explaining what the difference is Mm. between banned and controlled. So once an adverse... banned, the police just come and collect you immediately from your house, right? Well, the consequences for banned is far worse because, like Sheila says, that is not meant to be anywhere close to a horse. So the fact that you've given that to the horse um, is a lot more serious than controlled medication where we know that horses have received maybe... Um, uh, medication because it was sick, and um, they thought that the withdrawal period had happened. So a writer could plead guilty and say, oh, I forgot. Or, or I actually, I no, I did do it, but I thought that I was clear because it was 10 days ago or seven days ago, um, and so that could happen. And so what happens with an adverse analytical is disqualification happens automatically. Um we follow the FEI's guidelines, and in terms of that, there's something called an administrative process, but it is only applicable to controlled medications, not to band. Um, and under that process, if that only is applicable, if there's only one controlled medication that's been found in the horse's system, if this is the first time offence for you, or it could be that you had an offence, but it was previous um, prior to four years. So as long as it's not within the last four years. Um, and that the event that you were at where you found guilty or where the substance was uh, found was not an Olympic event or World Equestrian Games or something. So as long as those things are not there, you then are eligible for an administrative process. And that's almost like an admission of guilt. Okay. So you pay the fine, you're disqualified, you pay the cost of the, the test itself, Um and you walk away and it's also not seen as a multiple um, offence, offense, okay. which is quite important because obviously your first offence, if it's an administrative process, your name goes on the list, um, your horse's name goes on the list and it stays there for four years. Sure. But the next time there's an offence within the next four years, it's as if that one isn't a multiple offence. So then it's almost as if this is the first one, but you won't then have access to the administrative process. Okay. So at the end of the day, you shouldn't be measuring. Oh, It's <laughs> been four years. I can start Time for another one. I can start my, anti, my, my doping practices again. Um, and that's the, the one process. If you then decide you don't want to follow that administrative process, one of the other options that you have, actually, I should have mentioned it before, is you can ask for a B sample analysis. So in South Africa, if it was an FEI event, it goes automatically to the FEI lab in the UK. And they do the testing and the testing costs roughly which um the fei pays the cost of that until it's positive once it's positive <laughs> then, then it's then it's your cost to with, pay with interest and that can cost i think with the exchange rate anything from 35 to 40 000 rand wow okay so okay. in south africa we only have the one lab and it's because it has to be so controlled i'm sure there's a chain of evidence there's yeah okay In South Africa, we only have the one lab. It's the National Horse Racing Racing Authority. Um, If you, on a South African event, then say, well, I want my B sample tested, it can either get tested again by the National Horse Racing Authority or you may decide to then send it to the UK, which means then you're going to be paying 40,000 Rand to get it to the UK to have it tested. If that comes back as positive also, You will still have the administrative process available to you if it was made available the first time around. Alternatively, you can say, "No, I'm going to take my chance, tata my chance, and refer it to the Judicial Commission for a hearing.
0: And that's the SAEF Judicial yeah. Commission?
1: Or, or if it was an FEI event, then it would go to the FEI tribunal. Okay.
0: And just to be clear, these processes are available to everyone on the SAEF? Yes. It's, it's readily available information.
2: One, one thing that I want to point out, and I constantly get telephone calls about, uh, they send me a list of products or they send me a list of photographs and they and even list pages of products um, it's been declared safe by the FEI what I do want to say is the FEI will never say that a, um, a food additive or a, some homeopathic medicine that you're using, they will never declare it as safe
0: okay.
2: they, they don't and they warn, there's a whole website where the FEI warn you about contaminations in what we call these nutraceuticals. And if you take the trouble to go and read that the tribunal hearings, a large percentage of those
0: are, nutraceuticals. are contamination yeah. in okay. nutraceuticals.
2: Yeah. So it's a it's a it's a genuine concern because the process of producing them isn't so stricters it's in the interested. pharmaceutical exactly. industry. Oh. And, I mean, there were people who won badminton. And the drug, I think, was reserpine, which is a human antidepressant. And it was a, it was con- a contamination in the line.
0: And that's horrifying. Too. But,
2: but they warn you about it. And, again, people constantly phone me up and say, it's got this and it's got that. And one of the problems is that they tell you a name and on the FEI website, it says, or it's metabolites. So you need to know what some of these plants actually metabolize to.
0: So I know devil's claw is the one natural thing that is is banned, actually. Am I giving you more credit?
2: I think it is, but I
0: don't know. So I just think it's interesting, and I think what you're, you're noting that people do need to be aware of is a lot of things masquerade under the natural label, mm. for humans as yeah. well. And... Um, and, and people think that it can't possibly do any harm. But, well, FEI yeah. Safe is a big seller.
1: Yeah. So don't trust that's... when you see something and it says, has been approved by the FEI, yeah. is safe. They don't. They don't do that. I, so. think,
0: I think what you also both spoke to earlier on is the very real ramifications and holding one person responsible. And for someone who's a rider and doesn't own any horses… Um, it's so easy to say, oh, I you know, like, I don't know, this, all my horses are stabled at different yards, they all have different grooms, I don't know what goes into the horse, and it's just making people be more accountable and invested and involved, and again, speaking to the overarching theme of the FEI, which I think is horsemanship, actually, mm. and, you know, being invested and responsible in the day-to-day care. and Knowing
1: the rules of the game.
0: Absolutely, and being, um, you know, there's there's that lovely thing, that I'm trying to think who it was, it was one of the classical trainers, and someone said, "But it's not my fault. My horse is doing this." And he says, well, "Whose fault is it?" Says, "Well, the horse is getting too much food." He goes, who feeds the horse. <laughs> you know, it's not the horse. The horse isn't going there and dishing up its own food." It might be
1: if it's a pony; you it are, might be helping itself. Absolutely.
0: You and and I thought it was so interesting. You are responsible for everything. If the saddle doesn't fit, if the shoes aren't this is it comes down to you. You know,
1: to to be the voice of the horse. So I think also Georgie to note that. Um, <coughs> As Sheila mentioned there are quite a number of people who could also be held responsible totally. so they're the automatic ones like with regards to vaulting um, but the owner itself could also be held responsible so we said yes it's the person riding and then would any of
0: their horses be banned if they're no. banned
1: no no okay. no no so but the owner could be so if you could say Georgie you ride for an owner the horse is not stabled at your yard you you're not in control of what goes into that horse's body you are still going to be responsible person your qualifications or the qualifications that you obtained are still going to be disqualified but the SAF or the FEI might decide to add the owner as an additional person responsible and that could happen some jet fuel well in seven nights.
0: somebody had oh. to
1: yeah, <laughs> it just needed a bit of extra today Certainly.
0: um Sheila, where does does training for vets with, because obviously we've just discussed how these um, protocols are changing constantly. Is there accessible training for vets to to join? Do they have to partake special training to be aware of changes to drug legislation?
2: Um, The FEI has a very good education system. Okay. And um, since I started, we would attend a course once every four years. Okay. And the whole theme behind it is that um, vets are on the same page and they they react in the same way and they follow the rules and apply the rules in the same way. So from the point of of veterinarians, it's actually quite onerous because you have to do online exams and the pass rate in some cases is 100%, so you can't get one question wrong. And uh, you fail that twice and you're not allowed to redo it for like six months. So it's, it's quite onerous. So there's um, online in exams for permitted treating vets, for official vets, and then in all the different disciplines. The same applies to the stewards. They also have quite an onerous task in, in doing this. F.E.I. stewards. Yeah. And, okay. Yeah. So I, I think that system is very good, and I think the same applies in our country where we have a lot of veterinarians and a lot of disciplines that don't part, Take place in the big cities. Mm-hmm. Um, you think of tent pegging. You think of uh, mounted archery. You think of um, saddle saddle seat is is well probably Bloom is their biggest show, but um, also uh, what is it Western mounted games. Those sort of things don't don't happen in Johannesburg and Pretoria. They happen in the rural areas because it's mm-hmm. the farmers that are doing them. And we had, um, we started off with developing and did a course for welfare officers and the idea was that you can't have and they're not sufficient vets to have a vet at every event but rather like the doping where you arrive unannounced we would have officials that would go and check the, the plane fields are safe they would look at passports they would look at obvious faults in the tackle Things so that we can upgrade everybody, and we can also look after the the you know the welfare of the horse. That's the whole reason behind all these regulations.
0: So, welfare officers are not a uh, staple at every every no. discipline SAEF no. show, no. but no. they can arrive. Can people contact a welfare officer if they're worried about? Well, meal? I think the
2: idea is to have a a list on our website. Mm-hmm. So, and where the, what areas they in? So if a show in particular would want one, they could always contact one. Okay. And the idea is those welfare officers would also have a list of veterinarians that if they had a query, they could also contact.
0: Okay. So this will be across disciplines and across provinces, yes. welfare officers. Yes. Okay.
2: But from the point of view of the, if you are, um, you, can, you start off as a permitted treating vet. We request that you get a letter of good standing from council.
0: From the South African Veterinary, veterinary Council. Council, Okay.
2: Yes, and then you submit it to the Veterinary Committee. We do a round robin. Once you get accepted, you get um, you get access into the FEI where you do your test. Okay. And once you've done that, so test, any base can do this if they once if, you get past the committee. Perfect. <laughs> Is the, and you, you, <laughs> said,
1: you said that in a way that made you feel. No, I, know, like I feel it's also not quite a quite nervous. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. Um, so we've got our welfare officers and our FEI treating vets. Yes. And those are the only vets that are permitted if you're at an FEI show. I know you have to for the dressage if you're riding at a CDI, you have to check into the FEI stables. Correct. Your horse is not allowed to leave that unless it's going to the arena or for a walk. Correct. It's supervised. Now the only person permitted to treat at an FEI show is a permitted vet Would be that vet. Okay. And well you could have you could have your own personal.
2: FEI vet, but okay. they would have to be registered as a permitted treating vet in order to access the stables.
0: Okay.
2: Now the same doesn't apply with our national shows, and it would be very hard to enforce. But what we, w- just as we have a panel of FEI vets, we would like to get a panel of SAF vets. Okay, great. That yeah. can help us at outline shows. And um, it's not going to be every weekend. No. But if we have enough vets, we can use them so that you don't have to send somebody at great cost mm-hmm. to Uppington or something. It
0: also creates, again, a more equitable yes. education, welfare, sporting structure, I suppose. Yes. So if there are any vets listening who want to find out about this, do they contact you, Sheila? They can contact Robin at, uh, at, at the,
2: the SAF.
1: Yeah. At yeah. the SAF, okay. We're going
2: to, um, we have a development <coughs> officer now. And we are going to be running some courses for saE vets. Okay. And you will then be registered, and and you will get a little, what can I say, ID card that that is yours that you present at shows and entitles you to go to shows.
0: That's great. Yeah. Again, it's just a chain of accountability as well. I think. Um, the welfare officers. Who who are those? How is it? Can anyone approach the SAF? We ran,
2: I have a feeling it was four courses. We did did three up here and one in George. And I think in total, we had approximately 30 people at each of them. A lot of them were already existing FEI stewards. A lot of them were judges. We had them from Botswana. We had them who came up from Port Elizabeth. And I think there must be about 90 of them. And this was probably in about twenty nineteen, I think, or 18. 2018. Yeah. So we want to just do a refresher course. Okay. But then we want to utilize these people. Um, They could Mm. easily be checking passports. Mm, And invite more people on board. I mean, sometimes Mm. you go to a show and you see some really unsafe Mm -hmm. things, like uh, um, the plough they used to... um,
0: Harrow the arena. Harrow
2: the arena. Mm. Standing upright in the arena, yeah. you know, and, you know, yeah. a runaway horse. So, yeah. you know, sort of potential unsafe things that, okay. that happen because it's not just that the horse, it's the horse, it's the tack, but it's also the um, competition playing fields. Mm. They mustn't be detrimental to the horse that um, is, it it can lead to harm or accident.
0: Absolutely. So we're looking for, so SAF will perhaps run more of these courses and... Yeah. Prime opportunities for some parents to get involved, I'm sure. I think I, I not being facetious, I think it's wonderful. We need to get more people involved in the sport and the sport runs on volunteers. much on volunteers. Yeah. It really is essential. And we all love to, self included, have a good moan about lack of welfare officers or something at a show. But I think the answer is to to become one, you know, become part of the solution, not part and of I the problem And I actually
1: think the welfare officers are paid on you know
2: well, this was a big dilemma when we did it because it was a question as of who's going to pay them. My belief is that it, SAF is going to use them. Yep. SAF will pay them. for what So I
1: think where do. SAF sends them out, SAF does actually pay them. So if SAF says to a welfare officer in a region, we would like you to go to the show on the weekend, uh, the SAF does actually pay the welfare officer to then attend the, the show. Okay.
0: We're winding down towards our last couple of questions so I would just like to invite anyone who is listening and I can see so we've got some listeners if they want to pop a question into the chats please do so while we have Sheila here and not attending a colic or several other things at one time. Sheila also we were discussing is a marvellous maker of marmalade and chutney. She's going to be very upset with me for mentioning that. Um, can I bring my straw next time? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, like absolutely shameless panting. Um What treatments are allowed at shows? We we were just just discussing that FEI vets can come. But obviously, sometimes people do call a vet (coughs) to come to the show or whatever. So, like, even at a normal national show, um, what are you allowed to call a vet to come there to treat? Sorry. We whipped Sheila out. A frog in her
1: throat. It's quite suitable for a vet. Absolutely.
2: You can... Treat horses with, um, there's a a list of things that you don't actually have to declare. So horses that are on ulcer medication, like a Meprocoat, is allowed, it shows. Um, You can use the homeopathic, trauma, zeal, um, it shows. Quite a lot of antibiotics are allowed, it shows. Um, But the things that have to be injected, even be it homeopathic, have to be done by the permitted treating vet.
0: So if I decide to give my horse two ampules of chawmeal and someone sees me doing it myself in the parking lot,
2: then that would be you could, would be had up as doping. Okay. Because it's not just the substance, it's also the methods. So you it's would perform in a, a, a method that's prohibited. Okay. So they would have you up just as you're not allowed to um, give anything rectally at a show, if they found and you. I see, that's
0: a popular one at them, I didn't know that, is the adequate supo- yeah. or equine suppositories right. joint.
2: And if you were found doing that at a show, okay. the horse would be eliminated immediately,
0: okay.
2: and you would be up for uh, a prohibited method. Okay, So you need to be careful. You can't, just because it's allowed, do it, okay. even if veterinarian's not allowed to be doing administrative um, rectum treatment at a
0: show.
1: Okay. I think actually, Georgie, a while ago we put out on the SAF um, page about shockwave therapy.
0: Yes, that was an interesting And then
1: <coughs> quite a lot of people had questions about shockwave oh. therapy and why it wasn't allowed to be administered at shows. Oh. Um, and maybe, Sheila, you could speak about shockwave therapy. I, know, I, I remember a few years ago. Oh, dear. Sorry. That's
0: okay. We've lost Sheila temporarily. Um, Does it speak again to any therapeutic treatments? Well,
1: that's... actually, it's a, uh, a prohibited method. So, if you look at the vet regulations, it talks about what you may and what you may not do. It shows, like she was talking about. And shockwave therapy is one of the things you can't do at an event. And I think there's a certain period before an event that no, you also I think can't it was, do it. It was within three days of. Exactly. And, and the reason I know with the shockwave is we all went onto the website to then find out why. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's actually because it has almost like a numbing effect on the horse. So a horse that is—is is it not allowed for people as well? I just. <laughs> well, most. Yeah. I was just thinking if anti happened with all the humans sitting on the horses, and where I know a lot of equestrians' yeah. breakfast is cataflam.
0: Cataflam and antidepressants. I mean, this so is big farm So I'm just saying, if we companies. were
1: tested. Um, yeah. But so the shockwave therapy, and that is why it's not a lot. So you have a horse that is potentially not feeling good, is maybe a little bit unsound or not yeah. feeling good, and you then do the shockwave therapy. You could be numbing that, uh, and then the horse could appear absolutely fine at the show where the underlying conditions that have caused the pain are still there. Okay. Um, so I think that's just one of the things Sheila was just saying about the shockwave therapy and why it wasn't, why it's not allowed at shows or I think it's two see, or three days of, before. But five days. Five is days. it five days? Yeah. And and we were just discussing the reasons because, because it, it's, is,
2: it is mask pain.
1: Yeah, and that's.
0: I see lots of things like beamer blankets out at shows. And are there any mm-hmm. of those things that horse owners, riders there's, need to be aware of? Uh, there's oh, a God. list
2: of um, of uh, non-supportive therapies. Okay. So there's a lot of things that can be done by the person responsible and the owners in the stable. Okay. Then there's a list of supportive therapies which have to be done by the permitted equine Fit. therapist. Okay. Oh, okay. Like so a... so they, there are certain things that they can do. You can do aquapuncture, but it has to be done by a permitted treating vet. Okay. So we have in this country somebody who does do acupuncture and he became a uh, permitted treating vet. Okay. Otherwise, he had to have me watching him do it. Oh, okay. All right. But it has, it, it's, um, so there's a list. I can't remember okay, no, each and fine. every
0: one of them. But it is readily available for everyone. And... Yes.
1: So I was going to say, it's on, if you look at the veterinary regulations, which are on the SAF website, mm-hmm. and you look specifically in Chapter 5, which deals with veterinary medications, and it talks about, equine-prohibited substances list, treatments before and during an SAF event, emergency treatments, controlled medication forms, uh, treatment with non-oral medication and therapies, uh, prohibited treatments, so the use of banned substances is always strictly prohibited. And then it talks about, in Chapter 6, supportive therapies. So these are the therapies that Sheila was talking about. And it gives you a very clear list of what is allowed and what's not allowed and who has to do it and who who can do it at a show, who can't do it at a show. And I think, again, as a responsible owner or rider, you need to be aware of this so that you don't catch up at a show with your shockwave gun, mm-hmm. you know, hitting your horse's bum. And <laughs> you okay. can,
2: for instance, you can use ice boots. Okay. But you can't use ice boots that reduce the temperature to below zero. Okay. Because ice is a very potent anti-inflammatory. And if you cool something that low, it's not going to mm. feel any pain. That's interesting. So, so, so there are regulations about what you can and can't okay. do.
1: Yeah. So it's just go and have a look at them. Uh,
0: I'm looking at the website link now. It's really comprehensive, and I see links out to all of the FEI Clean Sport initiatives as well. So that's that's really great. Yeah,
1: I don't think I don't think you have as a as a responsible rider or owner. You have no reason not to know. No. Um. Be informed. Educate yourself and
0: and again, just stressing that the the onus always comes down to the own well I, I don't want to say to the owner or to the rider I think it's a joint effort really with very much so to discuss with the vets you mm. know when they're having treatments around a showtime and um obviously there was uh, there've been um incidences recently where riders weren't allowed to compete at an event after finding out that they'd vaccinated within a threshold level so
2: well I think it's, I think what people forget and I, I know there was a lot said at the time is that those rules are there for the welfare of the horse. Mm. And the reason behind that is that, and it's probably less likely the older the horse is and less likely the more times it's been vaccinated, but the the, the reason there is that horses can react to vaccinations and you really don't want to be travelling with it and going to compete in a big no. show. So it's there to safeguard the horse. Mm. And you should be aware of it. I mean, it's not there to be nasty.
0: Well, this is, this is, I think, the point is that we're ultimately, none of us is doing the sport for fame or fortune, you know. So, so the, the love of the horse should really be a primary driver here. And, you know, if the um, National Federation has to step in and enforce that, then so be it. But I do think the, the call to arms, as it were, is for every horse rider to remember mm. to do what's best for their horse at the end of the day yeah. and to not get their vet fired. Just saying,
1: <laughs> or they, not I, get fired yeah, by the event. Too, too, that's receive, more dangerous.
2: I receive a lot of calls all the time about the rules and regulations, and I'm always willing, I'm always willing to help.
0: But um, but they are readily available on the website. They
2: are, and one of the things mm-hmm. that I know no more than you do is when I get a whole lot of things that says FEI safe and and it's some joint something or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't that's so
1: cheeky to go and use that. That, That's magical But it's the same as when that's people say it's FDA approved yeah. You know in America oh, so it's this, FDA this approved is The problem
0: with nutraceuticals right Is they don't have to go through mm. the any food and drug administration Yeah so, so even it's... in South
1: Africa They don't go through the medicine control
2: council No they don't but there are some regulations Feed and and additives there is a, there is a legislation but yeah. it's uh, still- but but
1: I also think that like you were saying the contamination could be as a result of a line term uh, line contamination not actually putting the product no, okay. in so they're not actually adding a prohibited substance to mm. the uh, the supplement but their line could con- be contaminated because they produce something else with that product well,
2: they haven't they haven't done the sterilization yeah. the cleaning mm-hmm. in between mm-hmm producing that
1: product and the next one and then the next one so that's why it's not so safe there was a
0: very funny thing obviously when the covid vaccines were coming out and people were saying oh we don't know what's in the covid vaccine (laughs) and i saw one of my favorite comments was i've seen you eating mcdonald's don't pretend you know what's in that or what's in (laughs) poloni you know let us not forget the poloni crisis in south africa of whenever it was 2019 (laughs) as well it was like and 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 everyone was just going, everything's trying to kill us even the poloni Um, that's great is there anything else either of you want to add to that no Sheila I don't think so
2: I I I just I think the the one thing and I think I don't want people out there to be frightened to go to a a, a horse show frightened to do anything because of all the things we say Um, these rules are there to safeguard the horse and they're not there to make people's lives unpleasant or unbearable It's, it's you know, it's a sport, go out and enjoy it and go out and enjoy it with your
0: horse. I think the other thing also is, and and obviously I'm not talking about the average rider going to a lovely Sunday show with their horse, but um I, I read a very interesting study on eurectomies in horses and saying that the danger to the riders in these situations is enormous. You know, when you've actually removed um, any feeling in a, in a horse mm. that is pain compromised, the i hadn't thought about that the knock-on effects are are huge and and you know so many things can happen and i think a lot of the time it's not necessarily that people are going out with a mind even to do as you say to do something terrible to their horse they love their horse they want to enjoy their sport it's just not knowing what yeah. what could happen
1: yeah. i think georgie you remember a while ago there was and i think it came out after the olympics with simone biles who said she wasn't going to compete in gymnastics Absolutely. And and there was a reference of a German gymnast. No, no, no Russian, Russian gymnast. The Russian girl who, who broke had her ankle. she had broken her ankle at some stage, and despite that, and she she had been healed, but not fully healed, and she wasn't hundred percent. And despite that, her coach basically said, "You will go, you will compete, and you will do this." And she did, and she broke her neck, and she was paralyzed. And and that's why pain is your friend. Mm-hmm. And in the case with a horse, who you're now masking that pain. Mm-hmm. The catastrophic injuries are real, mm. not just for the horse, but for the rider. Mm. You're jumping a metre 40, a metre 50. Something seriously goes wrong with your horse. Um, you're sitting on top of that horse. venting is even I, worse. I, I don't you know? know why
0: we're pretending that jumping is the only dangerous sport. I've been walking on horses and being terrified for my life. So I just want to say that horses are, it's like I love the discussion last week where someone said bomb-proof horses and someone said there's no such thing. They are we're sitting on flight animals. They're prey animals waiting to die. But, again, I think it's, it can happen anywhere. Yeah. is what I want people. And it can happen in a pony at 60 centimetres or doing yeah. ginkana. Yeah. Or, you know, it's it's. Um, so, so really we need to be so mindful of this. Um, obviously, the high-impact sports or high-speed sports are, are way more um, vulnerable to these impacts, I suppose.
1: And I also think maybe the injuries are more possible with jumping versus – if the horse is just impact. walking, so, I think, yeah. so I impact, think any impact kind of. With the
2: venting, because um, when you race in on a racetrack, it's flat. Yeah. It might be, might be heavy going, it might be, you know, sort of um, perfect going, but it's pretty flat. flat yeah. When you're in a show arena, you a on a prepared surface. When you go out of venting, unless you're venting overseas where they've got lovely rolled lawns. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and
0: even then, I mean, burlies just happened. They were yeah. appalling falls. Yeah.
2: It's 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 across country, oh. so you need a horse that, that knows where it's putting in its sure feet. Footage, yeah. And one of the terrifying things is that if you did, and one of the other, and I'm, I'm talking a little aside, is that sometimes when you do a neuroectomy, u- it's very hard to determine, and the horse can regenerate some sensation. But let's say it's on the face that it doesn't it doesn't know where it's putting its feet. Mm. You could promote a rotational fall mm. in the country, mm. and when that horse does that, it could kill the rider.
0: Mm. Yeah.
2: And so, uh, you know, that, that yeah. reason behind it is really to protect mm. the, the um, you know the rider and the sport.
0: And again, I just I just really loved what what you touched on in the very beginning that it, when it's not here to be a big stick, it's here to promote safety and integrity. Of of the sport, the the equine athletes and the human athletes, but to your points, that's it's trying to be a voice for the horse, yeah. and let us never forget that that's
1: well. I think if you look right at any of way. the any of the regulations, even if you look at the constitution, one of the first things that it always talks about is the code of conduct for the welfare of the horse. It's in the vet regs, it's in the general regs, it's everywhere. You know, mm-hmm. it's and that is why the SAF is there, is to protect mm-hmm. the horse and be the the voice of the horse. The same way mm-hmm. I imagine the SPCA would be. Of all animals, you know, we are saying well, I think, sports I think horses are our domain. Your
2: comment about the SBCA is very pertinent because um, we need to be seen within ourselves and to the general public to be looking after the horse because Absolutely. there's a worldwide move mm. to ban a Christian sport yeah. from international mm. playing fields and from the Olympics Absolutely. based oh, on the abuse of mm. the you know, whole battery. But, I mean, so we need to police our, ourselves and we need to be mm-hmm. clean and we need to be um, aware and look after the welfare of the horse.
0: Absolutely.
1: Actually, I think Actually, that's I think, really valid. Haven't the FEI just recently, I think the poll is finished now, the survey is finished, no, the, the FEI, yes. and it's regarding the welfare of the horse. Exactly. And, and because the FEI takes it very seriously and mm-hmm. rightfully so. Mm-hmm.
2: There was a lot of... Unfortunately, at the Tokyo Olympics with the 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 pentathlon. Yes, of course. But you 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 see it everywhere. People with with um, cell phone take a quick thing, and then it's on YouTube. Then it's it goes disseminates everywhere.
0: No, I think that's that's really valuable, and I do think actually videoing thing—that's that we should get Emma Sadler in here to discuss on social media and, you know, just being people being aware of it. Actually, it's a really good mm. topic to discuss. So. Yeah. Also, if you're not doing anything bad, you don't need to worry about who takes out a video, but, you know. Yeah,
1: but the eye, public eye is always, and actually Absolutely. I think even in general in South Africa now with the live um, feeds, you know, when we get to watch, um, so we had COVID and we couldn't watch and then all of a sudden we've had uh, them doing live feeds and you can watch live streaming horse riding, everywhere in the world, mm. but even in South Africa. And so mm. there's always a camera on you, mm. you know, just... I so think yeah,
0: the, the, equ- the equestrian phase has been removed from the It has been, yeah. now. Thanks it to has you, been. Thanks to the German I, I'm, not, I'm not too sure whether it
2: isn't still in the 2024, but it's out of
0: 2028. Okay. that's Yeah, that's interesting. It's no. yeah. going to be so... Invi- and, and rightfully so. It's going to be yeah. so... It was a to watch. Think,
2: I think the yeah. reminder... And I think it was a lot of it was taken incorrectly. Is that the, the pentathlon athletes are not a question. Mm. no,
0: no, it's... they don't ride as a you know. Mm. It's just one of the. I sports. do think that became very apparent very quickly in yeah. that arena, mm. Sheila. Yeah, but um, but yes, it was also a very nice thing to watch with all my ho- all my non-horsey friends who say, "You just sit there. <laughs> no, you don't. I just watch a German woman <laughs> weeping at the Olympics." Tell her. Go phone her. Tell her she just sits there. Glorious. Thank you both so much for joining us here tonight. Thank you for having us, Georgie. It's always always exciting. Thank you, Sheila. So anybody who's looking for more information, please follow the link. Um, It's there in our comments. It will be in the body of the um, chat when we post this to our YouTube feed. Um, that is on the SAEF website. If you look under Clean Sport, there are numerous links there to assist you, to educate you. Remember that the onus is on you to be educated. The education is provided. But if you do have any questions, I think our resident, please don't phone Sheila. She will blame me. Don't do it unless you're going to buy her marmalade and her chutney. (laughs) That's all you're allowed to do. But the SAEF is here for the riders. It's here to help everyone in the sport, notably the horses. So if you do have any questions, please feel free to pop them a line if you can't find the answers that you're looking for. Otherwise, have a good evening, stay safe, stay clean, and please tune in next week, Wednesday, for our next podcast.